Hello and welcome to the FIRE Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes, and on today's episode, what does it take to be healed or to be transformed? Let's explore the beauty of the gospel and how to access the power of what Jesus did to bring healing and transformation to our own lives and the lives of others. I'm excited to share this message with you. This is one of my favorite messages that I've given anywhere. I've gotten to preach it in different nations and that sort of thing. And I'm I'm going to try to bring in more of these segments where we just talk and I I share with you different concepts, different things I've learned, different ways of the Lord because I I feel like there's a mandate uh, on the the church right now to learn how to walk in the ways of the Lord again because there's transformation and there's power that religion has stolen. Uh, and God is taking back for his bride. And it's our, it's our time to partner with him in that and grab a hold of what Jesus paid for. So I hope you enjoy this one. We're going to jump into it after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, let's jump into this. Uh, I have a, uh, a message to share with you today, and this is, this is one of those messages that I've actually gotten to share uh, quite a few different places. Some of you have heard me do this message before. Um, it's probably the, out of all of the messages that God's given me, I think this one's my favorite, my favorite too. Uh, when I go and speak places, it, you know, if I have, especially if I have more than one opportunity to speak at the same place, I want to start with this one because I feel like it's, it's so foundational to, uh, to who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And so uh, I hope that whether you've heard me share this message before, or this is the first time, my hope is that you find transformation in it. Because as, as, uh, as the intro uh, talks about for the fire podcast, and as maybe you've heard me talk about religion uh, loves a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So what that means is, Religion loves to look Christian, look look holy, look right, but denies the power that transforms. It's actually antichrist in nature, and so antichrist, the anti the Christos, the anointing, the anointed one, and so we love 
in our world, we love a Jesus that's a good philosopher, a good teacher, maybe even consider him a prophet, maybe even consider him a holy man. But when he gets into him being the breaker of bondage, the one that transforms hearts, that changes lives uh, and, and causes us to, he actually draws a line in the sand and he causes us to look at our sin and, and recognize uh, that is no longer for us that we're not, we're called to higher, we're called to more than the life we've been living. That's, a, that's an offensive, extremely offensive message. But the truth is, everyone deep down, we actually desire a king like Jesus. There's never been another, another leader, another person that's walked this earth that's like him. And so he's fully God, fully man, and, uh, and he's king. <laughs> he's king and he loves you dearly. So if, if you hear nothing else today, hear that, that he loves you dearly, that he is not, he is not looking upon you and, and seeing your sin. He's looking upon you and he's seeing the one he paid a high price for so that you don't have to live in that sin. And sin is anything that separates us from him. So these are all good reminders. You're not going to work yourself into a better, uh, better Christianity uh, or, or to being a, 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 a more holy person, you're, you're going to fall more in love with Jesus and sin and, and those issues are going to fall away. And actually, you know, something that I've been, I've been uh, contemplating here recently, which I haven't fully developed this out, but I feel like so, so often, you know, we teach messages and we, we want to focus on, on holiness and being set apart and not sinning, not looking like the world. And we're always focused on like, what does the sin look like in our lives? And those are the things we attack. But the truth is that the, that's not really what God's concerned about. And now, you know, before you turn this off and, and consider me a heretic, uh, let me explain. When, when you're sick... And you have a cough, a runny nose, your stomach hurts. Those things are symptoms. There's something going on. That is your body's reaction to something that deeper that's happening within you. There's a virus, a bacteria, uh, an organ not working properly, whatever it might be. Something, something's going on that's causing that pain in your body. The pain is not the issue. The issue is what's causing the pain. And so I think what we do is we love to look at the issue and we love to focus on the issue and that actually pushes people into cycles of shame. And so maybe you've experienced this even and where you have, you've focused on uh, over and over again, you've focused on the symptom. I don't want to do this thing again. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do it again. And it's like when you're driving down the road, and if you stare off the road, you'll start to steer off the road. And if you stare ahead, you'll drive straight. And so uh, it's very similar. We get so focused on the symptom. I can't do that anymore. And like in, in our preaching and things like that, we as leaders, we've focused on these symptoms. And God's looking at the symptom. And he, it's not that he approves of the symptom. It's not that he likes the symptom. It's not even that he's overlooking the symptom but he recognized the symptoms, not the issue. There's a deeper thing, you know, and this is, this is seen like a really easy example is people who struggle with lust or porn and that kind of thing, porn, masturbation, whatever it is. Uh, people get uncomfortable with that, get uncomfortable talking about it. The truth is like, that's not the issue. 
you know, even what you, you're looking at isn't the issue. It's like, what, what are you actually trying to fulfill in that? And so a lot of times uh, what you'll find is people who are dealing with that, it's a lack of control in their own life. So times get hard. They go through a situation that they, they actually feel out of control, that they're, they're scared, that they're, um, they feel powerless, and they'll find themselves looking at stuff, not because they're overwhelmed with lust in those moments, but because they're looking for something that they can control. So I hope, I hope that helps. I hope that makes sense to you. So what we're going after today, what I believe Jesus went after in the gospel, he wasn't just going after the sickness, uh, the, the symptoms of the sickness. He was going after the sickness itself, the very thing all the the sins, the things that we do, those things, sin is anything that that separates us from God. And I think a lot of times we tag the 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 symptoms as the sin itself. And yes, they can be sinful things, uh, just like a cough is is part of a sickness, but it's not the sickness. It's not the issue. And so. Uh, it's important, and and I feel like Jesus Himself, He He went after what is the root of this? What is the root of it in a man's heart that has separated him from from the Father? What is the root of it that pushes mankind into these things? And you know, I, we'll we'll get into this a little bit today, but not not fully. Uh, but there's so many things that are included in the gospel. It's not just a spiritual transformation. There's physical transformation, there's financial transformation, there's relational transformation, there's emotional transformation, there's mental transformation. All of that is available in the gospel. And so all of it, uh, we access through the person of Jesus via the Holy Spirit, through relationship with the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of Jesus. He left, he left us with Holy Spirit saying, uh, it's better that I go so that he can come. And he'll, he's the one who leads us into all truth and righteousness. And so he's the one that gets us right into alignment with where we need to be. So today we're going to be hopping into Isaiah 53. Um, and so that's going to be a, a, a big place we're going to camp out today is Isaiah 53. Um, I also have a lot of other scripture. So for those who know me, I can teach. It's not my... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't love to always jump into like, uh, Bible teaching per se, like this, like what you're going to see me do, where I'm, I'm actually going to get into the Hebrew a little bit and that sort of thing. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Um, there's lots of ways to make errors when you're interpreting these sorts of things. So I think that's all important to say up front. Also, I, um, I am using new King James version, which is my primary, like when I study the Bible, I use new King James or I use ESV. Um, I say, get whatever translation, um, whatever translation is, uh, easiest for you to read and understand, and then get another, I like to have another translation like the passion translation, which is much more draws out kind of the emotion and helps us understand at a different, a different type of level. I don't spend all my time in the passion translation. Um, and I don't spend all my time in new King James. I read both. And so I'd really encourage you, I know some people attack the new, the passion translation or the message or things like that. Um, I would get a Bible you can understand and study from 
and another one that really brings out the emotion, brings out the feel. The Passion Translation, obviously the focus is to bring out the passion of the scriptures, and I think it does it really well. So uh, we're going to be in Isaiah 53, but what we're going to focus on here up front is Jesus, he has experienced everything you could experience. He has gone through uh, temptation. He has gone through pain. And he has walked as a human being. Never, He never set aside his divinity, but he has walked as a human being on this earth. And so uh, that's it's so good to know that, that he isn't this far off distant God. So in Hebrews 2.18 in the Passion Translation, it says, He suffered and endured every test and, and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. So there's nothing you can go through or experience that he hasn't experienced or gone through and that he can't walk you through. That's important. I think a lot of times we look at the things we're experiencing and we look at our own, are we worthy of him stepping in? Are we, you know, uh, is he going to understand? Is he far off and distant? You know, you know, some of it comes down to our own, our own fathers, like, oh, was my father distant? And now I feel like God is distant from me. That's not true. He's not distant. God in the person of Jesus Christ has walked through everything we've walked through. He's experienced everything we've experienced. And we're going to see that in the process of his crucifixion, even because there were things he didn't walk through the other 30 years that he got to walk through in the crucifixion so that he could relate to you. That's how much he cares, he, that he would go through all that so he can relate to you. Hebrews four fourteen through 16, also in the Passion Translation, So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss, and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. He is worthy. He is worthy of your wholeness. I'll never forget sitting... There's a period in my life, and that's some of what this teaching that I'm about to get into. So this actually started some 2014, 2015. I, I was preaching, and I had an open vision. And in the open vision, I saw myself crying out, saying, Can you see him? Can you see him? I was I was preaching, and I was saying, Can you see him? And that's all I got. So that was like 20, actually, I might even have been 2013, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. In 20, uh, later on in 2016, uh, 2016, 2017, I think it's 2017 actually. Um, I'm so bad with the years. Normally my wife is listening to me talk and she corrects me, but she's not here right now. So, uh, I might be lying about these dates, <laughs> um, but the facts behind there are true. So God gives me this vision, open vision. I see myself preaching that I hear myself crying out saying, can you see him? And I, 20, it was 2017. So 2017, I hit this point where I was like, where is the real Jesus? I was in a wonderful church that was seeing miracles, seeing good stuff happen. But I was also seeing like most of the people, including myself, were not, there wasn't the transformation I, I believed was available in the gospel. And so 
I was realizing um, this gospel is better than I'm experiencing. That's probably the best way to say it. The, the gospel that I was, I was seeing uh, was different than the gospel I believed in and saw in the scriptures. And so I, it just sent me on this journey of God. Like, I, you know, we're seeing healing, but I want to see people's lives transformed. I want to see them actually be a different person. I want to see them set free uh, uh, from sin uh, in, in such a way that it isn't even a temptation. I think, I feel like uh, it's probably my last pastor that said this, but um, Jim Baker and um, the Jim Baker in, in Columbus, not the other Jim Baker, but he, he said something like, um, you know, sin will become like a third shoe. It's like, why do you need a third shoe? If you've already got, you've got one for each foot, why do you need a third one? And it'll become the same way with sin where it's like, oh, I don't even need that anymore. And that's, that's the goal is to become so infatuated with Jesus and have your heart so transformed that those things that were once true temptations are no longer temptations. And, and for me, this all comes down to, um, in this journey, uh, something that Michael Culliano said to me. So I was, I was desperate. I was like, I have to get around some people that really, that, that, are experiencing this gospel. I, I want to be around people that know God in a deeper way. And I started pursuing it. So, uh, I reached out to Michael Culianos and I was like, Hey, um, we had talked on the phone before and I was just like, Hey, can I come down? I'll fly down to get 15 minutes with you if, if you'll take 15 minutes. And he's like, come down and we'll get, we'll get lunch. And he actually met with me twice. It was amazing. Um, so honored that he would take the time to do that. It was, in, it was incredibly kind of him to do that. And, um, so we, we sit down and I just like, I'm bursting at the seams, like desperate. And I remember he said something to me. He said, Ryan, he's like, I don't heal the sick because of their worthiness or their need. I, I heal the sick because Jesus is worthy of their healing. And that transformed things for me. It has been so easy in my life to look at even receiving healing, receiving transformation, receiving the blessing of God as something of have I earned this? And it has nothing to do with your worthiness. It has nothing to do with what you've earned. That Jesus, he already paid for it. You don't have to pay the price again. You just have to receive it. You have to posture yourself to receive it. And so, you know, before that healing was always something I was like trying to achieve. And now it became something I was doing on behalf of the kingdom because my king was worthy and that transformed things for me. So all this comes down to that is if there's any area in our life where we are not seeing the fullness of what we're going to talk about today, it's worth going after. Now, I'm going to name things and there's going to be things that you go, that's what I'm dealing with. And I've been praying and I've gotten prayer and I've you know, fasted and I've gone after this and, it, and you know, God hasn't set me free or I haven't been healed yet. Okay. First off, this isn't condemnation. I don't want any of this to come off as condemnation. If you have one of the things I name, it's not condemnation to have it, but it's really sad to live in it and not go after more. So if you're going to, if you're experiencing it, I want to encourage you and put a boldness in you to go after seeing it transformed. And that doesn't necessarily mean you'll see it immediately. There's things in my life. Uh, I, many of you know, who have been around me over the last decade, 
I've dealt with migraines since I was in the third grade and I've had seasons when they've been exceedingly bad and I've gotten to the point where I'd have them weekly, weekly migraines. And this is while I'm seeing other people heal and I'm seeing other people transformed and I've gone after it and after it and after it and after it. And it's one of those things that I I have refused to bow to. And after, you know, since third grade and I'm 31 now, however many years that are, that, that ends up being, um, I had somebody I didn't know very well pray for me. Actually, actually at this point, this is my first time meeting them. They prayed for me. They've become a good friend since. Um, and I got healed. And since then I have not had that type of migraine at all. Uh, it stopped. And it's the first time I've truly gotten healed. Like there's been times I've had migraines and, and gotten prayer or prayed myself and it's left. But this was the first time it left and didn't come back. And that's been a year ago, uh, a year ago now. And so a year ago in April, uh, so a few weeks ago. And so um, it's worth continuing to go after it, no matter how long you've been dealing with it. it, it it's getting it away from, sometimes it's easier to begin to justify it in our lives or just kind of set it aside and just like, oh, I'll just live with this. I'm telling you, Jesus is worthy. Jesus paid a high price for that thing. And so we're going to go after seeing that thing healed, whatever it is, whatever that thing is for you. If it's a sin you've dealt with, a temptation you've dealt with, uh, we're going to go after seeing it healed and restored. So we're in Isaiah 53. So Isaiah 53, and we'll start in verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, this is talking about Jesus, this is Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. <laughs> and by his knowledge, my righteous 
servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Wow. So some of you, you don't read King, New King James Version, and you might just hear that. And if you're like me, um, it took me a while to get in the place that even this kind of language and stuff meant anything to me. I would hear that, and it was like, if you've ever seen Charlie Brown, the teacher, the wah, 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 wah. Uh, and I would read it and be like, what did I just read? So let's, let's break it down a little bit. And I'm actually going to get into, uh, I want to show you that in the process of the crucifixion, he paid for everything. He experienced everything and he paid for everything that you could deal with in this life. And he removed the barriers. That, that's so important. He removed the barriers. So, um, and actually I'll jump in and say this real quick. So many are against what they call the prosperity gospel. There's no go prosperity gospel in, in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach a prosperity gospel. There's only the gospel. But the gospel, which does not guarantee you'll be super wealthy or anything like that, that you're going to have a plane and drive a super nice car and live in a mansion. It doesn't promise that. What the Bible does promise is in the crucifixion, in the gospel, in what Jesus did, he removes the barriers and he removes the spiritual things that were keeping us poor, that kept our minds in a, in a, in a place that we would remain poor. He, he removed the things, and people talk about health and wealth. He removed the things that would keep us sick. And so it's not that Jesus died on the cross and now all of us don't experience sickness and we don't experience anything anymore. You know, it's, and that we never experience having, you know, low amounts of money in our bank account or, you know, I've gone through some stuff. I could tell you stories and it's not that that doesn't exist. It's that he's removed the thing in our heart that would lead us to poverty consistently. Poverty is more than just not having money. Poverty is a mindset. It's, it's a, uh, it's a place that your heart is. And I will do one of these and actually talk about money because I think it's a, a extremely important it's been skewed by so many and there's some really basic things that you can begin to do with your money to walk with god in your finances um and i'm not a uh uh you know i'm not i'm not here saying everyone's gonna be wealthy but there's a blessing and there's access to to find wealth and proverbs is very much encouraging you to to build relationship with the wisdom of god and that that will lead to wealth that that will lead to your life being transformed. And so we have access to know wisdom because it's one of the seven spirits of God and it's one of the spiritual gifts and it's found in the person of Holy Spirit. So if we have relationship with him, we can have wisdom. And if we have wisdom, we can obtain wealth. And wealth is not for us just to take care of ourselves. He takes care of our needs and as, as my pastor used to say, and some of our wants, and that's true, but the goal is not that. The goal is that we can now become the distributors of God's goodness through finances, along with other ways. But that's, that's why he gives us money. And so many, their trust is in money or their trust is in, uh, you know, health care or, uh, 
science or whatever, you know, science is the new religion now. It's a whole nother topic, but their trust is in other places and they, they won't put their trust in the Lord. And so when you do that, you've capped yourselves at the, at the thing you trust, at the idol you worship. And so you worship God, it actually opens you up to his wisdom, his thoughts. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can pay your, he can not only pay your, your rent, he can not only help you get a car, he can actually help give you a business that generates finances, that blesses a whole community, that changes a city, that impacts a nation, that blesses your children's children. So that's just a little side note. So back to Isaiah 53, verse 4. So in verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Griefs, if you look it up, and you can use uh, Strong's Concordance, Blue Letter Bible. There's all kinds of great ways you can look this up. It's super helpful, and it'll help you understand Scripture better. So I'd recommend. I use Blue Letter Bible personally. There's an app you can download. Um, he has borne our griefs. So born, he took them upon himself. Griefs is sicknesses. He took our he took our sicknesses upon himself and he carried our sorrows. Sorrows, the word there actually means mental or physical pain. So think about that. Have you dealt with mental or physical pain? Are you dealing with depression, with suicidal thoughts? Are you dealing with anxiety? That's mental pain. That, there's mental anguish. Are you dealing with extreme grief? I'm not just talking about you lost you lost somebody, you went through the mourning process and you still miss them. I'm talking about grief, like you haven't moved on. Your heart feels trapped. He paid for that. And not only did he pay for it, all of these things he took upon himself. So think about this. All of the depression of all of humanity from beginning of time to the end, he took upon himself in that moment, all anxiety, all suicidal thoughts, all sickness, all of this, the weight, literally the weight of the world was upon this man, Jesus. He took it upon himself. He experienced it all. Yet we esteemed him stricken. Stricken. This is actually really interesting. Stricken is like leprosy. And so leprosy was seen as a curse. And lepers were unclean. They had to announce themselves. They had to stay outside the city. If they ever got near people, they had to say, unclean, unclean. And so some rabbis actually refer uh, to this part, this that he would become the leper This and this messianic prophecy that Jesus would become the leper for us. That's so beautiful. That he would become the one that has to, that, that is unclean so that we could be clean. It's, and and it says we esteemed him stricken, so we 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 recognized him and, and said, "Oh yes, he's he's a leper." And smitten by God, smitten means defeated. That this is actually God doing this to him. That this is his punishment. That he did something wrong. Verse five, but he was wounded. Wounded actually means to be made impure, defiled, or sexually broken. Go look this up. That's what that means. Impure, defiled, or sexually broken. How many people do you know in your life that are sexually broken? 
maybe you're you're listening to this and you're sexually broken because of something that's happened to you, uh, some, that somebody did, that something you subjected yourself to, decisions you've made, decisions other people have made. Maybe it's some combination of all of it. Are you sexually broken? Jesus actually took upon himself your sexual brokenness so that you don't have to live with it. And this gets back to he died on the cross and it's not like instantly it all left. It means you now have access to wholeness, to transformation. You don't have to live in sexual brokenness. If you're listening to this and you're struggling with your sexual identity, with um, with your, your gender, with gender dysphoria, any of those things are becoming extremely prevalent in our society and it's sexual brokenness. It's defilement. And it's not... I'm not here to condemn you. Jesus isn't here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you what Jesus did for you. And he actually paid a high price so that you could be transformed. And so it's worth going after. And if 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 that's you and you need somebody to believe with, you can reach out to me. And I will believe with you and encourage you in this. But it's worth going after. So he was wounded. So he was made, he was made impure, defiled, or sexually broken for our transgressions 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 actually means um rebellion so because we rebelled he was made impure he was made sexually broken he was bruised for our iniquities oh and i want to say this with rebellion rebellion is going away from the way of the king so our king our God has set ways that his realm works, that that the ways that we're supposed to live. And we've gone contrary to them, broken relationship with him to go contrary to them. So sin is anything that separates us from God. It's anything that we put in the way. Not that he's, he's not the one pushing us away. We're putting up a wall against him when we sin. And it's similar to a marriage. Like sin in a marriage, like... they're the things that you avoid because they're actually going to hurt the relationship. Like there's things that I won't do to protect because I want to protect what I have. I I actually, I want to protect the relationship I have. And so there's, there's things that I won't do to her. I won't smack my wife. I won't uh, go, go have sex with another woman. Like those are things, actions I don't do to protect the relationship. And then there's things I do to protect the relationship, like communicate, talk to her, find out what's on her mind. And when I withhold that, that's the same thing we do to God. And even that can be a sin where it's like we've actually put up a wall of silence between us and the Lord. And so I just encourage you, if that's if that's you, just literally all we have to do is repent. Say, sorry, Lord, I'm sorry that I, I allowed this wall between us. And I don't want it anymore. I want you. It's that simple. And then you get you go back to pursuing him, to talking to him, not trying to earn back his trust uh, or, or earn back his love. Just be. Just be present with him and watch what he does. He'll transform your heart. So he was he was bruised for our iniquities. He was which means crushed or broken. Iniquities is guilt and perversion. So he was crushed and broken because of our guilt and our perversion. 
and it says the chastise the chastisement for our peace was upon him so chastisement is discipline so he was actually being disciplined by the father by god for our peace so that we could live in peace because actually when the bible says that he he disciplines those that are his in hebrews well that means if he's not disciplining you you're not his you don't discipline a child that's not yours and so when you're his he steps in and he corrects you and he's a good father in those ways and does those things but when you live outside and and that's a place actually a place of peace you can actually live at peace knowing if I'm doing the wrong thing, God's going to actually step in. He's a good father. I know him. I have relationship with him. I'm not always concerned about um, him giving me multiple steps on every single thing, like do this, this, and this, I'm because we're not robots. We're actually in a place of relationship. And I trust that if I'm making a wrong step, he's going to step in and he actually is going to discipline me. I've seen God do that so many times and it's beautiful. Um, and I'm thankful he does that. That's a place of peace, knowing he has our back and he's got our best interest at heart and he'll guide our steps. And so even though we might, we might plan our way, he guides our steps. When you live outside of that, you're living in chaos. You're living in anxiety. You're living in the unknown. It's actually a really scary place to be. And it says, and by his stripes, which is his wounding or punishment in his flesh, we are healed. And because it's in his, in his flesh, that represents a couple different things. That represents the physical body, but it also represents the sin nature, the wounding and the punishment of the sin uh, of the flesh is the wounding and punishment of the sin nature, the destroying of the sin nature. But also it means uh, by his stripes, by his wounding, we are actually, that's where we find healing is we can actually find healing in our flesh. Because even the reason that in our physical body that we have sickness and disease is because of sin. The judgment, God already judged sin. When he said the judgment of sin is death, death entered the earth. And death entered the earth and therefore limited man's mortal body and began to tear apart man's mortal body and wear it down. And that's where sickness came in. It's, it's from, it is from the judgment that has already been proclaimed. It's, it's just like our legal system that there's certain crimes that they are seen as felonies or misdemeanors, whatever. This one is like God said, nope, this one's death penalty. Like sin requires death penalty um, because it's that big of a deal. And so when we sin, we're actually pulling the judgment that's already been proclaimed. It's not even God in the moment judging us it is actually what he has already proclaimed uh it draws death and that's actually why there's places in the world where sin abounds and you'll see disasters happen and it's not because god is up there throwing disasters hurricanes and stuff at certain areas of the world it's that they're they're experiencing the judgment that's already happened that their sin is actually pulling death upon their city. Uh, and you can see that with people, certain people's lives, that their sin actually begins to pull on chaos, on pain, on hardship. It pulls it into their life. Well, Jesus came and he took on the judgment of the world so that we don't have to live under that judgment anymore, that we can, we can actually live under grace and under the empowerment to no longer sin. This is so important. 
Uh, okay, so that was, we just did verse 5, verse 6. Uh, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God laid the iniquity, all of, the, all of humanity's guilt upon him. If you've ever experienced guilt and that feeling, can you imagine that times however many people have ever existed and will ever exist all resting upon Jesus? Can you feel how crushing that would be? Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted and he opened not his mouth. So oppressed means overwhelming pressure. So there's overwhelming. Have you ever experienced overwhelming pressure? Jesus has. And afflicted to cause pain and suffering. So he was oppressed. He was, there was overwhelming, uh, overwhelming pressure and he was given pain and suffering. So we'll skip down um, verse nine. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich in as death, but he had done no violence, nor was any deceit, deceit in his mouth. Deceit is betrayal. So there's no betrayal in his mouth. Verse 10, he, yet it pleased the Lord, it pleased God to bruise him. Wow. It says that he, he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So it wasn't, this isn't cosmic child abuse, like certain people are claiming. That's a big ex-evangelical claim. Now, it wasn't a, a father torturing and killing his son. Jesus became sin. So the father got to pour out his anger in that moment, his anger towards everything that had led his creation astray from him. He created you because he won relationship with you. He created you to worship, not because he has a big ego, but because when we worship, we're more like him. What, whatever you worship in your life, you'll become more like so if you worship the flesh, you'll become more like the flesh. If you if you worship sex, if you if you worship religion, which is form without power, you'll become very dead. Uh, you'll look good, but you'll be dead, um, which you see in the letters, <laughs> Jesus's letters to the churches in Revelation. Um, but whatever you worship, you become like. When we worship God, we become we become more like Him. Not that we ever become God, but we we become more like Him. Our nature becomes more like His nature, and we are consistently being conformed to the image of Christ. It's such a beautiful thing. The gospel is so beautiful. So I'm going to kind of hurry through this last part. So in John three, it says, "And just as so, this is where the famous." Um, that God so loved the world, the famous John three sixteen, the one everyone knows. Well, the the context of this is actually really beautiful and really profound. And this is in the Passion Translation again. And just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up. So let's pause there. What does that mean? Just as Moses in the desert lifted up a brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up. So we got to jump to Numbers 21. So Numbers 21, um, this is that story. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. 
and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out here out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So they actually they actually were loathing the provision of God. And they wanted to go back to slavery. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. So you've got this entire people group, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And God sends out these snakes that were poisonous, or not poisonous, venomous snakes that were biting people and they were dying. So therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when it looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the the bronze serpent, he lived. So this this is really interesting. The people are sinning, and their their judgment for sin is death. God sends venomous snakes that bite them and they die. And so the people are panicking because they're watching their loved ones die from this this sin. They're crying out for redemption. And so God says, if you make a replica of this serpent, of the judgment, the judgment and the sin, because you think about the serpent, this takes us back to the garden. The thing, the thing about the garden was you had a man and a woman who walked with God daily, lived in a garden, were given full dominion, and they were convinced by a snake to disobey God and break relationship with him. And so this is the people actually looking upon their sin and the judgment for their sin at the same time. And it says, anyone who looks upon the replica on the pole, they shall live, that they will be healed, that the the thing that is in their veins, the poison or the venom that is in their their blood that is going to kill them will disappear. And this is this is so profound because this is we are of the we, we were of the bloodline of Adam whose blood was tainted with sin and it was killing us. And Jesus comes as the second Adam and he comes so that we can be of a new bloodline and a new covenant. So let's go back. John three. And just as Moses in the desert lift up the brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed. So the son of man is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish, but be given eternal life. So just like that snake, Jesus is ready to be lifted up that the whole world can look upon their sin and the judgment for their sin and the people to see and be healed as they, as they gaze upon him, they'll see and be healed. So verse 15, so that those who truly believe in him will not perish, but be given eternal life. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him 
will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. Why didn't he send his his son to judge the world? Because the judgment had already happened. The judgment over sin was death. That, That had already been proclaimed. The world was already living under that. There is a coming judgment, but that wasn't the purpose of Jesus's first coming. His first coming was to be the answer to the the antidote to solve and transform hearts to heal people of the venom that was in their veins of the sin that was in that that was plaguing humanity so um, verse 18 so now there is no longer any condemnation for who for those who believe in him but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation uh, because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved son so they're living under that judgment already. They're already living under the judgment of death. And we see that in people's lives where little by little they're dying. They're dead inside. They're, they're, their bodies are slowly uh, dying, decaying. Sickness and sin is eating away at them. Their mental health is disappearing. That is not, that is, uh, that's the condemnation that the world's under. You don't have to live under that you can give you can give your life fully to Jesus and you don't have to live under those things anymore that's the beauty of the gospel you don't have to live in the results of the sin of the first adam you can live under the goodness and the grace and the mercy that comes from the one who became a man was still fully god and he passed the test that adam couldn't and he remained in relationship with god that's the bloodline you're you're of now once you give your life to him And it says, and here is the basis of their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world, but the hearts of people love their darkness more than light because they want the darkness to conceal their evil. So this is what I was getting at the beginning uh, of this, of this podcast is people actually, uh, they want to live out their sin as an identity. It's actually easier and more convenient to be broken than it is to believe in transformation. It's easier to have your stuff hidden than it to be exposed so it can be healed. So verse 20, so the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it for their lives are fully exposed in the light. But those who love truth will come into the light and welcome its exposure for the light will reveal that their fruitful works were produced by God. So we're, this is, I'm coming to the end of this and we're actually going to do some, I'm going to do some ministry time. I've never done this in a podcast form. So this is going to be kind of interesting. I'm used to doing this in a room where I can feel what's happening in the room and I can feel people, what they're experiencing. I can hear people's reactions. I can see people crying. This, this one normally ends up with people, um, experiencing God in a profound way. And so I'm, my prayer is that you'll experience that too. And we'll, we'll pray that here in a second. So what does it take to get healed or receive transformation? That's the big question. How can we be healed? How can we be transformed? The answer is look upon Jesus. So I told you guys, I had this vision of me saying, can you see him? Can you see him? And years later, I go on this pursuit of, I need the true gospel. I need to experience the real thing. And I start to be around people that that recognize and love Jesus in a way I hadn't, I hadn't been to that place yet in my heart. And I started to fall in love with Jesus and something started really happening to me. And I was listening to Catherine Kuhlman and Catherine Kuhlman said, she said that the moment that you take your eyes off, off of Catherine Kuhlman and you take your eyes off, off your sickness and off yourself and you get them on Jesus, you'll be healed. And I was like, 
that's it. And that's where this whole message came out of was that vision. And then that, that from Catherine Kuhlman. And then I, I find this scripture about if we can look upon him, if we can look upon what he's done, if we can look upon our sin, if it can be revealed in the light, we can be healed. We can be transformed. And so I want us to look upon Jesus. That's what we're going to do. Holy Spirit is the revealer of Jesus. Without Holy Spirit, Jesus could stand right in front of you and you'd have no clue. We see this in the, in, in the, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus actually multiple times reveals himself after, after the resurrection to people and they, they don't know who he is. And so whether it's uh, at, you know, um, I, think, I believe it's Mary who sees him at the gravesite and she thinks he's a gardener or on the road to Emmaus uh, when they're walking to the road to Emmaus and, and he unveils the script, scriptures to them. He's teaching about scripture from literally miles. They walked for miles if you look at the distance and they recognize later, oh, our hearts burned within us, you know, which is the same thing they said about Jesus, you know, or, um, you know, it isn't until he makes them food that, you know, over a fire, and then they're like, oh my goodness, it's you. And so that happens over and over again, where they don't recognize Jesus without Holy Spirit revealing uh, who he is. Same thing happened to Peter, even before Jesus's crucifixion, where he has this revelation, you're, you're the Christ, you know, but he's also the one who went back to fishing and didn't believe anything Jesus said because Jesus told them what was going to happen and what was to come. And then it happens. And instead of waiting outside the gravesite, they went back to what they knew. They went back to fishing. They went back to the things that they did before. And so if they truly believed, they would have been at the crucifixion and they would have been at the grave waiting for him to resurrect. But they didn't truly believe. But he still had a momentary Holy Spirit revealed revelation that Jesus was the Christ. And so we need Holy Spirit daily to show us Jesus, to reveal him in new ways, to to reveal new parts of who Jesus is so that we can fall more in love with Jesus. You might find yourself like me, like there was a period of time where I was like, Jesus, I don't actually love you. I've realized I don't actually love you. And I'm going to be really real about that. I know I'm supposed to love you. I know I say I love you, but I don't. I need help. And I began to ask Holy Spirit to reveal to him to me and teach me how to be a friend of Jesus and teach me how to love Jesus. And he began to do that. The Bible says the pure in Matthew five, the pure in heart shall see God. And so your, your heart is made pure by what he, he does not by your actions, but by what he does. It's a work of the Holy spirit to purify you. And in that you can see, you can see God. So we're going to ask Holy spirit right now to reveal Jesus to us. And actually um, I, I like to do this with the imagination and I know people get creeped out about that, but the truth is how many times has the enemy used your imagination? How many times have you been driving and you, you imagine yourself pulling into oncoming traffic or you think about driving off, off the road or, or how many times have you had a horrific dream or thought come to your head about killing somebody or something awful? That's the enemy using your imagination. So how much more can, can the Lord, how much more can the Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe, the one that etched, etched bark and made snowflakes different and created you and me and all kinds of other weird looking human beings, like how much more can he use our imagination? 
if we actually will turn it over to him. And he's not going to, it's, he's not going to show you something that's anti-biblical or anything like that it all is bounced by scripture. So we got to, you know, we have scripture as our grounding. Um, but I, we're going to invite Holy Spirit to, you know, to show us through our imagination. So right now, just close your eyes and imagine this. You, you're the joy. Well, first off, Holy Spirit, there you are. Wow, I can feel you. Holy Spirit, you are the revealer of Jesus. So I just ask right now that everyone under the sound of my voice, that your, your presence begin to rest on them, that a peace, a weighty peace come upon them, that any way they're, they're experiencing heaviness, that that lift now in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you reveal Jesus to them, both in this time and continued on from here, God. Give them dreams, give them visions. Open up their heart. Allow them to see him in every every day. Yeah. So just however you can receive, close your eyes as long as you're not driving. If you're driving, you might want to pull over and get somewhere where you can do this. But you were the joy set before him. That means joy is actually prophetic in nature. Even though he was going through hell on earth in the crucifixion, he was able to look across time and see your face. And from seeing your face, he pulled the courage and, and the, the energy to keep going because he saw you. Because <laughs> he saw the goal was you having relationship with him, having relationship with Holy Spirit, having relationship with the Father. Can you see him tonight? Wherever you are, can you see him? Can you see him as they drag him and they tie him to be whipped? Can you see as they grab the cat of nine tails, which has uh, leather with chunks of glass and metal? Can you see them, see him as they raise the whip and he looks across the crowd? Can you see those eyes that burn with a fiery passion for you? Can you see his eyes? Can you see, can you see as they bring the whip down and it, it grabs into his flesh and, and, and pulls apart and tears apart his flesh? Can you see the pain in his eyes? But you're the joy set before him. So he looks at you and in his heart, he knows it's worth it. That as the flesh is ripped out of his back, that you can be made whole. That your body, that you won't have to live under sickness. You won't have to live under disease. Thank you, Jesus. Can you see, can you see as they drag him up before the crowds and they offer to release him or Barabbas, the murderer? Can you see as they humiliate him? By the people he came to save, start crying out to release Barabbas. Can you see as they form a crown as a joke, as a mockery, because they say, oh, you think you're a king, and they form a crown out of thorns. And these aren't little thorns, these are, these are big, big thorns. Can you see as they take the crown and out of mockery, they put it on his head and they shove it down till the crown, till the thorns hit his, his skull. 
Can you see it? Can you see as he takes the the curse of the earth upon his head? The curse on the earth and the, and the, the, the fleshly way of thinking that came with the thorns and thistles and the pain and the trauma of that. He took it upon himself. Can you see as the blood runs down his face and gets into his eyes? And the blood of our Savior, the blood getting in his eyes represents the purifying, the purifying of your eyes, the purifying of your vision. That the things that the things that you've allowed in no longer control you. That they can be erased, washed away. Can you see as he's dragged through the streets carrying a heavy cross? The pain, uh, the pain of the cross, the, the wood rubbing against his raw back. The heaviness of the burden of, of, of your sin. Of your guilt, of your shame. Of depression, of, of suicidal thoughts. Can you see as he looks up at you and sees your eyes? Can you make can you make eye contact with him? As he says, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. Because he knows if he carries this cross, you do not have to carry shame. You do not have to carry guilt. You do not have to carry condemnation ever again. By him bearing that burden, you never will have to. Can you see as they lay him down on the cross and they put the nail to his hands and they raise the hammer? Can you see as he looks at you? But you see, he's willing to go through this. He's willing to do this because he knows that that nail going through his hands means your sin will forever be attached to that cross. That all you have to do is say yes to what he's done for you. And your sin will permanently be attached to that cross and not you. That you'll never have to be the one attached to the cross. That you won't have to give your life for your sin. Can you see as, as they lift him up, as they raise the cross and it falls in, into the hole and as his body pulls down on the nails and the pain and just as the serpent, as Moses lifted the serpent up, the son of man, can you see him lifted up? Can you see and believe in him? That he did all of this for you. That him hanging on that cross means you, you do not have to live under sin. You don't have to live under condemnation, under shame, under sickness, under depression. Under relational burdens, under financial burdens. That he was made poor so you, you don't have to live under poverty. That he took on orphanhood so that you would not have to. That you so that you could live as a son. Can you see him there? Can you see him hanging there between two criminals? Can you see the redemption of this moment? Can you see the redemption of this moment? That just like the garden, 
the garden where there was two humans, a tree, and a serpent. That it's being replicated all over again. That you have the serpent, you have Jesus hanging on a tree. That the serpent that deceived at the tree is now being nailed to the tree. That sin is being nailed to the tree in between two guilty humans. So profound. Can you see as he looks at you? Can you see as he looks at you and he says, you're worth it? Can you feel it stirring in your heart to go after transformation in your life? To believe him for this transformation because he is worthy. Can you see the sacrifice he made for you? He says you're that valuable to him. Now can you see, can you see as he's nearing the end, that he knows it's done, it's finished, that he did his part, and he knows there's one more part to happen. He knows that Holy Spirit wants to live with us. God cared so much about you and I. He cared so much about humanity that the God of the universe, the he's not just some force, he's a person, he's a being. A being, he's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit actually allowed himself, precious Holy Spirit actually allowed himself to be put in a box in the Ark of the Covenant just to be close to humanity, just to have someone get close to him once a year. Isn't that's that's so profound? He cared about you so much. He cared about mankind so much that he allowed himself to be put in a box. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus knew this, and he knew never again will you have to live in a box. He did not want Holy Spirit in a box ever again. And Holy Spirit wanted to come live with you. He wanted to be in you. And actually, Holy Spirit is answering the very prayer that David, that King David prayed, where he said that this one thing I desire, this one thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God said, I'll make you the house and I'll dwell in you forever. That's so profound. We are, we're a temple. And in our temple, you are the temple, as Paul said. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But in your temple, your spirit resides too. And it's not a temple to you. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And your spirit gets to dwell with his spirit in his house. You're his house. And Jesus knew this. And at that point, he said, Lord, I commit to you my spirit. And he breathed his last. Now, can you see on the third day? Can you see and feel? Can you feel the despair? Can you feel how the enemy that all of hell 
every demon in hell and on earth believed they had won. They believed they had killed God, that they had defeated God, and that mankind would be theirs to torment. Can you, can you feel the despair in the air? Can you feel how hopeless the disciples feel? Those who are following Jesus, who are thinking, this is our Messiah is here. He's gonna, we're no longer going to be under the oppression of the Roman government. Everything's going to change now. And then he's gone. Can you feel it? But then something starts to happen. Can you feel the rumbling? Can you see the ground begin to shake as the stone is rolled away? And can you see as resurrected Jesus walks out in power with all authority in his hands? Can you see as every demon, uh, every demon on this planet has to bow as he walks out of the grave? I'm here to tell you that there is not a single demon you've experienced in your life that was not there that day. They all know what happened. They all experienced what happened. They all experienced him walking out of the grave. Deliverance is easy. Remind them of what of this day. Remind them that they were defeated. You may not have been there, but they were. They know they're defeated. They, they're liars. They're there to try to convince you that you're, you're never going to be free or the person you're praying for is never going to be free. But they know they're already defeated. And so Jesus took back the keys and gave them to us. Thank you, God. So just to wrap this up, I'm going to pray for you. So whatever that thing is, whatever that thing that you, that place where you need transformation, whether it's your identity or you're dealing with orphanhood or gender dysphoria or sexual brokenness or mental, any kind of mental anguish or bipolar, schizophrenia, suicidal thoughts. Uh, if you're dealing with extreme poverty, poverty mentalities, uh, um, uh, self-harm, if you're dealing with... Um, uh, what is that called? I'm seeing, I keep seeing something and I'm trying, I'm trying to get language around it. If you're dealing with, um, basically where, uh, self-sabotage, that's what I'm looking for. Self-sabotage where you, you're constantly finding yourselves, uh, yourself doing things to undercut even, even the good things that start to happen in your life. If you're dealing with all of your relationships falling apart, if you're, if your marriage needs healed, uh, if, if you're, you're having trouble having kids and you, you need, uh, you, you want to believe God for, uh, that any kind of barrenness is broken, uh, which I've, my wife and I, we've seen that I, we're, I, we're about a hundred percent on that. I think, um, just so many, um, miracles of people who are having trouble having kids and we pray and they, they get, God loves to give kids. He believes in family. Uh, you might be dealing with asthma or cancer or migraines or um, stomach issues and uh, IBS and uh, what else, Holy Spirit? 
kidney kidney issues, kidney disease, kidney stones, um, UTIs, uh, even even sexually transmitted diseases, things that that have happened because of. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's really good. So things that have happened because of your actions. A lot of times it's easy to live under the shame of that and think God doesn't want to heal you. I'm here to tell you he's already paid for it. It's yours to receive. And we're going to go after it right now. So right now, just receive. Just close your eyes. You don't have to pray anything other than uh, just, Lord, I receive. I receive what you did. But Holy Spirit, right now, I, re- I release healing over everyone under the sound of my voice. I command uh, cysts to disappear. I command cancers uh, tumors to disappear. I command healing to migraines, healing uh, to mental issues, demonic depression that's rested on people. I command uh, that to lift suicidal thoughts. That is a demon. That is not you. And I command that demon to go in Jesus' name. I just, I even command freedom from demonic possession uh, and demonic oppression, and also the spirit of infirmity that uh, it's a demon that attacks people's bodies, even believers. I command that demon to leave you now in Jesus' name. Get out. Get out. Thank you, God. Healing in their body. Let your fire, oh, yeah, let your fire move from their head to their toes. Make all things right by the blood of Jesus. I just speak over you, no tragedy, no sickness, no disease, no poverty, and no broken relationships by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I thank you that sexual brokenness is being healed. Some of you, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be instant, instant healing. And some people, it, it actually will be a journey because there's other things he wants to I'll say it this way. A lot of times God will remove. It's like if you removed a knife from somebody's body, the body is actually set up to heal that. Uh, And there's a process of that healing. He's going to remove the thing that's keeping you there. That's keeping you stuck. And it's about you getting unstuck. And some of you, then he's going to take you through a healing process because he wants to undo some things in your thinking. So for those, I just, those places uh, that the people you're going to take on that journey, especially in the place of like sexual brokenness, I think there's some things that God really wants to, somebody's listening and God really wants to take you through a journey of healing because there's places that you have, you have, you have fears and questions and pain and he's undoing those things. He wants to take you through a journey, invite somebody in that you can trust into that process but I just speak healing over that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you. You're such a good Father to us. We love you. We honor you. We thank you that your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our life. I ask you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, well, I hope I hope this uh, really spoke to you, and I'd encourage you if if you got anything out of this, even go back and listen to it again, and let let Holy Spirit speak to you again. And uh, yeah, I I would love to hear what God's doing. If if this really spoke to you, or 
Uh, maybe you know somebody that needs to hear this. Make sure you send it to them. Um, my my heart is I want to see people transformed all over the world. I'm not the only one teaching this. This isn't a new thing. Um, but I believe it's my personal mission to to see religion that steals the power of transformation from the gospel. Uh, I want to see that destroyed. And so I believe... I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in what he did, both in the the process of the crucifixion, what he did on the cross, and what he did by being raised from the dead, and especially what he did by the releasing of Holy Spirit, so that he could be, so what Jesus was doing could be multiplied times every believer on the planet. So you are a walking transformer. Not only a walking transformer, you need to be transformed. So any place, whether it's allergies or something more severe, all of it needs to bow, and it's worth going after. And we'll probably talk about that at another time, just having having that kind of animosity to just go after that stuff. Um, I'd love to talk to you guys about that another time. But until next time, this has been the Fire Podcast. Did you love this episode of the Fire Podcast? I certainly hope you did. I personally want to ask you to please like and follow all of our social media. Follow and subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app, on the Spotify app, and then leave us reviews. Leaving us reviews on those podcasts helps us out so much, more than most people understand. And also share this podcast with your friends. You know somebody who needs to hear this. It might be your pastor. It might be a friend who's who's struggling with their faith or has something different in their hearts. And then lastly, please support what we're doing. You can go to firemovement.com slash support. There you can give a one-time or monthly gift. You can also uh, use Venmo, and it's at Fire Movement, or Cash App, which is dollar sign Fire Movement. And your support helps us to grow this podcast and continue what we're doing. And as always, we are on all of the podcast platforms. So Apple, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and many more, as well as YouTube. So if if you prefer to watch video, you can watch a video on Spotify or you can watch video on YouTube. And you can also listen on Facebook on mobile. So uh, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for being in this with us. And uh, let's continue to grow this podcast.